in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's show we are talking about the German-American exchange and we have a world-renowned German singer introducing her new album. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Berlin. Germany has given green light to genetically modified potato trials. The potato named Amflora is manufactured by chemicals giant BASF. A decision of German agriculture minister Ilse Eigner comes two weeks after she controversially banned a type of genetically modified maize manufactured by US biotech giant Monsanto. Amflora is a potato modified to produce starch consisting almost exclusively of a substance called amylopectin, which is used in the paper adhesives, textiles, construction and cosmetic industries. However, critics warn that Amflora may pose a serious health hazard, especially in view of its antibiotic resistance. Berlin A referendum in Berlin keeps religion classes optional. Voters rejected the idea of allowing students to take religion instead of mandatory ethics classes in school. According to preliminary official results, 51.3% of voters rejected the referendum, with 48.5% voting yes. This means the current ethics education will continue unchanged in Germany's capital. Students are required to take an ethics course and may take additional religion courses if they want. Had the referendum passed, students could have picked ethics or religion, which is the case in the rest of Germany. Berlin. The average temperature in Germany is rising faster than scientists expected. Big cities will have to prepare for the most dramatic increases, according to a report from the German Weather Service. The DVD called the increase in average temperature a clear indication of climate change, adding that six of the ten hottest years since 1890 occurred in the last decade. So big cities like Frankfurt, Berlin or Hamburg need more parks. Berlin. This year Germany celebrates 60 years of statehood and it even celebrates 60 works of art. So 60 influential artworks are on display in Berlin and only works by West German artists are shown. As organizers said, they want to emphasize freedom and avoid national art. Under the title 60 years, 60 works, the exhibition begins with a still life by Werner Held from 1949 and concludes with a new light installation by Tobias Rehberger. Even works from Josef Beuys and Martin Kippenberger are shown at the Martin Gropius Bau until the middle of June. St. Gallen. A Swiss canton has banned nude hiking. Appenzell in Heroden will no longer welcome nude hikers to their meadows and valleys. Visitors of the region who choose hiking through the Alps without wearing a stitch could now face a fine of 200 Swiss francs. Last fall citizens began noticing an influx of visitors to the region who shed their clothes before enjoying a hike through the region. It was trend the locals frowned upon and threatened to establish a reputation Appenzell didn't want.
The German-American Institute, the America House in Nuremberg, was founded in 1946. 16 years later, it was transformed into a binational non-profit institute, financed and organized by Germans and Americans with the purpose of supporting German-American relations. That is still today the aim of the facility, which is located nearby the main railway station in Nuremberg, right at the edge of the old town. The German-American Institute provides a huge cultural program and a lot of information about the United States. Our Radio Goethe reporter Nina Paula talked to the deputy director of the German-American Institute, Dr. Matthias Fifka. So could you please tell us something about the German-American Institute here in Nuremberg? What's the history? Um, the German-American Institute used to be what was called an America House um, that was um, an institution that was set up and exclusively funded um, by the American State Department um, after the Second World War. And the intention was to improve um, the image of the United States uh, in Germany and other European countries as well. And uh, mostly in the 70s, um, the State Department, meaning the US government, um, stopped funding um, those institutions and they were turned over, most of them, um, into what is now called the German-American Institutes, and they are now funded uh, mostly um, by um, different levels of German government. Um, why was it founded in 1946? Um, was it because at that time the Nuremberg trials were here? Or? Um, no, it was, um, and, and America House was basically founded in all uh, larger German cities. And uh, certainly the image um, of the United States in the eyes of most Germans due to um, due to um, the Nazi regime wasn't the best. I mean, the, the Nazis on purpose coined a very negative image um, of the United States, and so there was lots of skepticism towards the US or the Americans. And this was the reason for why these uh, America Häuser um, were set up in, in basically every larger German city. And was there something special about the Nuremberg America House in comparison to the other German cities? Um, no, I wouldn't say there was uh, anything special. Um, certainly Nuremberg had um, a specific um, Nazi burden to carry due to being the city of the, of the Nazi rally grounds uh, and the party rallies and the Nuremberg trials. Um, but in terms of structure or funding, um, the, Nuremberg did not have an exceptional position. Um, the purpose of the German-American Institute is to um, support the relations between Germany and America. How, do you, how is that provided? Um, well, we could, um, under American terms, we would probably be considered um, a, um, public uh, a public education um, facility. So we provide programs on the United States um, in terms of politics, economy, um, culture, society, so we cover all fields. Um, and we certainly also have a focus on transatlantic relations, on the German-American relationship on different levels. And the programs uh, we do, they are concerts, presentations, uh, theater. So it's, um, it, it's basically from all fields. So there are even language courses and... Yes, we also ha we certainly also have uh, language courses for all age groups. Um, we just started to introduce um, uh, language courses um, for uh, young kids um, starting at the age of three. Um, this is also a, a part of, of the program. We also offer lots of information sessions for um, students that intend to go 
um, to a university in the United States or to a high school. Um, that's also part of what we do. So the house is, is it only for Germans who are interested in America or is it even for the Americans who live here? No, it's, it's basically um, uh, for everybody. We find that we have, an, well, in, in, in relation to um, the number of Americans um, that are still in the area and that the number has been declining significant, significantly as there are no um, larger uh, troops being stationed around, um, except for Ansbach in Grafenburg, which is um, quite a bit away. But we find we have um, a substantial amount of American visitors who see the America House of um, sort of um, a place where they can identify with uh, their home country, with the motherland. And so we have a lot of, lots of Americans that come and visit. How many Americans are still in the area? Do you have a number? Um, no, the, the, the numbers vary largely. Um, I mean, there are some Americans that have been staying, um, that used to be in the military and um, are still here after they were pensioned. There are um, certainly some students. Um, there are Americans who work here for Siemens or other companies. Um, but it is, it is very hard um, to, um, to determine a number. There are no, no statistics around. I mean, we have, I would say, a group of around 200 Americans that regularly come to the America House. Um, but I unfortunately have no idea of how many Americans are still living on a constant basis in the area. Do they uh, develop some relationships between the Germans and Americans who meet at the house? Yes, absolutely. Um, that, that happens. We, we also have um, other um, clubs or organizations that are associated with us, for example, the German-American Women's Club. And um, these are, um, well, get-together groups um, where Americans and Germans, um, well, join or come together on a binational level, so to say. And this is nice to see, right, isn't it? It is. Um, um, I mean, we, um, we were somewhat skeptical several years ago after all the American mm, troops um, were deployed uh, and moved out of the area, but um, it, it is still working. Um, why is there still an institute like yours? Because a lot of things are happening now through the internet. Mm. Um, well, certainly we, we can provide things that you cannot provide um, through the internet, like concerts, like language courses, presentations, um, be it what it may. Um, we, I have to say that um, our existence was um, in jeopardy um, at the turn of the millennium when there was indeed the question, do we really need um, a, a German-American institute any longer? Um, aren't German-American relations now so good um, they, that we don't, we don't need um, well, such an institution anymore. And well, certainly also public uh, funds were becoming um, scarce. So uh, we, we had to, to struggle to um, survive, but um, well, now uh, we are doing better again. And the interest um, is, um, is still there um, from the German as well as from the American side or the Americans in the area. Um, which is, I guess, enough justification for our existence. Uh, it's a non-profit um, association. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who supports it? And how is the U.S. government involved? Um, the U.S. government um, is not involved at all anymore. You could basically say we, um, from time to time, get 
a contribution, a financial con contribution from uh, the State Department, um, but that um, doesn't happen on a, on a regular basis. Um, so the Institute is now largely funded by the city of Nuremberg, um, the, the government of Bavaria, and uh, the German State Department is Deutsche Auswärtige Amt. Um, how would you describe um, the German-American relationship as the, at the moment? And um, is there a change since the new administration is there? Um, yes, there is, well, definitely um, a change that um, Obama has brought about. Um, if you just look at the numbers, if you look at three numbers in history, in, uh, when, when Germans were asked in 2003, um, do you have a positive perception of the United States? Um, more than 70% of the Germans said, yes, we do. In 2006, um, this number was down to um, 31%. Um, so the, the, the image, the picture um, that the Germans had of the United States was extremely negative, and that was certainly um, due to um, President Bush and uh, his policies. And uh, now we are um, about up to 80%. Certainly Barack Obama has brought about um, a much better perception of the United States here in Germany. Um, and um, Germans are extremely confident um, that Barack Obama can restyle American politics and he can change transatlantic relations. And 82% uh, of the Germans would have voted um, for Barack Obama, by the way, if they had the possibility to do so. Well, they hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think? What means the U.S. to the Nuremberg citizens? Um, the U.S. to the Nuremberg um, citizens, um, I guess it depends a lot on um, the age groups you look at here in Nuremberg. I mean, um, I, I would say people um, 30 and older, maybe 40 and older, that um, had on a daily basis been in contact with uh, the Americans due to the um, large numbers of GIs that were stationed here. Um, they, they probably have um, a very different um, position towards the US through these um, soldiers in the region than Germans um, at the age of, or Nuremberg um, people at the age of 20 or lower who, who hadn't been in contact. Um, with uh, with uh, the people here. Also, the city does a lot um, to um, improve relations with the United States. We have a partner city, um, Atlanta, um, where frequent exchanges um, take place. Um, but aside from that, I don't think that the view of the United States um, that Nuremberg has is substantially different um, than somebody else in at least Western or the Western part of Germany has. And the other way around, what means Nuremberg to America? Um, well, um, certainly um, Nuremberg uh, is usually associated with being the city of the Nazi rally grounds, being the city where um, the Nuremberg trials were held um, every year. Still an amazing number of Americans uh, come um, comes to see. Um, the, the courthouse um, where those trials were held, it's now closed at the moment for reconstruction. Um, but, I, but I was told uh, that the number is up in the 10,000s of the Americans, so these trials, especially to, to um, older Americans, um, means a lot. And then we have the Chris Kindle Markt, 
and the Lebkuchen, which uh, certainly is also is an attraction for American tourists. In the U.S., a lot of people still have these prejudices in some bad or some good way um, about Nuremberg. Um, the first thing they name is the Nazi party rallies or the Reichsparteitage, the Nuremberg trials. Um, do the people who uh, live in, uh, here in Nuremberg have similar prejudices against the U.S.? Do you think so? Um, well, it, it certainly depends a lot on uh, on who you are talking to um, in terms of the educational level um, and other things. Um, but I, I made, or we at the German American Institute made the experience, uh, which I guess is more or less representative for all of uh, Germany, is that um, people here um, lost a lot of interest actually in the United States during the Bush administration, as uh, harsh as that may sound. But we had people um, coming, respectively, not coming um, to the Institute any longer, and they were saying, "Okay, I I don't want to, I don't want to have to do anything with the United States any longer, um, as long as this man, um, as long as this man is president." Um, it's it's certainly on a um, one-dimensional um, perspective, but um, we found that the the number of visitors, German visitors, was declining. While Germans certainly were dissatisfied with the United States, they had lost interest, um, and well, now the numbers are rising again. Um, but um, the years of the Bush administration, um, in terms of um, public perception of the United States abroad be it in Germany or uh, specifically in Nuremberg, um, had been very bad ones. But now the change is there. Uh, now the change is uh, there. Hopefully it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to stay there uh, for a longer uh, period of time. But this uh, certainly will depend um, on well, Barack Obama's uh, policies and especially the success of um, his policies. Dr. Fifke, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. <laughs> Sitting there across the bar Your face is somber like a beetle in a jar Can hear you sigh across the room Your mind flies high And when I zoom in your heart I see you're aching In your solitude You need some love to break that mood Some kindness and a gentle hand To let go of all Tonight, let's just not think.
Ute Lemper is a true cultural globetrotter. She is touring worldwide as one of the most famous German voices, bringing the Weimar music to audiences from Auckland, New Zealand to Tel Aviv, Israel. Ute Lemper sees herself as a European with German roots, living in the melting pot of New York City. Her first self-written solo album, Between Yesterday and Tomorrow, has just been released in the US and Canada. I called her up to find out what the story is behind a new and more personal CD. Um, this is a very special album. It's an it's kind of um, an album I recorded to uh, to fulfill a wish to um, document something I have worked on over the last five years. As all the songs are written by myself, the words and the music, and um, it's been festering in my soul to write something like this uh, since the year 2000 when I recorded the album with the songs of Elvis Costello and Tom Waits and and Nick Cave um, and the Divine Comedy. And, and I, suddenly I was in a more contemporary area of music with um, with a far more, um, you know, edgy, um, younger audience. And um, I thought this was a very nice opening of a door for me towards a, a different um a whole different scale of audience 
And uh, I, I enjoyed it very much, actually, to sing contemporary repertoire. And at the same time, I thought, I, uh, even though I love it some ways, I'm such an admirer of his music, but I felt I wanted to uh, try to write my own songbook and uh, tell my own stories. And um, uh, this is what I did one day. I mean, I had always a lot of words written down, a lot of um, little poetry, uh, uh, poems, uh, reports from travel, impressions, in my little sketchbook, there was a whole lot of um, um, little ideas, uh, cinematic ideas about uh, my life and uh, everything I saw around me. But then the big uh, challenge was to sit down at the piano and uh, actually to try to write some music. I'm a very miserable piano player, <laughs> but I kind of like, I think I got it together. I have a very... Uh, I think I, I like to, to, to create chord changes and, and moods and everything's, of course, inspired by jazz, by the minor chords, by um, by something, uh, um, by, by, by a world I admire um, music, musically. So, you know, somehow I sat down, I puzzled everything together, I adapted the text to the music, the music to the text, and back and forth, a ping-pong game, and suddenly um, it was actually quite a natural for me to come up with lots and lots of songs uh, which we presented here a while ago in the jazz bar and the jazz o bar the name of the bar is jazz o bar and um and then we wanted to and then i made myself the gift i said you know i i enjoyed it so much and um we had a great reaction from the audience and from the press here and so i went down in the studio and we recorded this and uh, made a very nice uh, production with my friend musicians and uh, extra string players, extra guest musicians on it, and it was a very nice uh, process, a lengthy proje uh, project because we took a lot of time. There was no urgency. Um, and, yeah, and now it's it's finally, it, the record came out in Europe a little earlier last year, and uh, this now it's coming out in the States, so I'm very excited about this. Ute, in many interviews you are talking about yourself as a European. Do you still see yourself as a German, or did that change because of your traveling and living abroad? Well, I was definitely a European. There were 15 years when I did the Triangle, Berlin, London, Paris. I lived two years in Berlin, two years in London, two years in Paris, and back and forth with three wallets in my pocket <laughs> long before the uh, Euro. And um, in those years, we had the paper, the European, and I, I gave lots and lots of interviews. And artistically... Uh, I was one of those really European artists who were who was home in all those uh, three countries and beyond that the Mediterranean countries. So, so um, yes, in my heart I'm a European, but really underneath all, I, I still I would say I'm a German. But really today, what I am is a New Yorker, and the New Yorker inhabits all of that, all of that, the European heritage, the German heritage. As a New Yorker, I can be all of it, and yet I am a New Yorker. I live in this very open space with no normality. It's not mainstream America. It's a progressive, liberal place here. And uh, yes, I can... It's, it's really... It feels the best to be a New Yorker, but that being a New Yorker, as I said, inhabits the European heritage. You can find the entire interview on RadioGoethe.org. We also can subscribe to our free podcast. That was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Thanks for listening. I'm Arndt Peltner.
Die. 